All right. Welcome to this week's episode of Kuden Radio. Sorry about that. We're having some technical glitches on this side. Everything from my computer doing weird things to uh, I don't know what else is happening. So anyway. All right. So that's Jan Miller here. Thanks for joining in. I appreciate it. So if you're listening over on the uh, audio only podcast sides of things, uh, again, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for uh, for uh staying up with things, right? And I know you guys are getting things as recordings, right? We're doing this thing live as we do it. Uh, not that I'm alive, right? But <laughs> we do it <laughs> through uh, YouTube and Facebook and all that. Anyway, all right. So um, you saw the, <clears throat> for those of you who are on uh, video, right? You saw the um, the title there, right? Um, how to get above average success, right? How to, how to attain above average success. And um, I know that sounds kind of like a meh kind of uh, title. I'm not, that's not what I'm prone to. And I don't mean like I'm a carnival, carnival barker or anything like that. But what I have found is if I use words that are too big um, for most people, their mind tends to reject it. Right. Um and there's there's lots of uh, examples of this uh, in the world where somebody let, let's say they write a book and um, <clears throat> it's it's telling people look man you can make a million dollars right and um, and that's actually true right if you work at a an average job making an average income right uh, for 40 years you will have made a million dollars right. Uh, do the math. It's pretty cool, right? Uh, but what people usually mean when they mean make a million dollars, they mean make it like and have it, right? But they will put this number on there, which is absolutely doable based on uh, the formula and how they're, they're having people do things. But the book will make real mediocre, if not poor sales. And then they'll go back in and they'll drop the number, right? Make an extra $5,000, Right. Next thing you know, the book is an overnight success. Well, why is that? Well, because the mind thinks that one number is believable, but the, the other is not. Right. So uh, and this this works across the board for a lot of things. So I was actually going to use the word maximum. Right. How to get maximum results. Um, but. Right, I, I didn't want to. um but it's a crapshoot, right? Because if I use maximum results, then uh, I run the risk of people that could really use this this knowledge, right? Because we're going to dive into uh, the uh, the stuff that's like well over 2,500 years old. I mean, it, it goes back almost three, four thousand years, right? Um, I risk driving them away, but calling it above average results, right, or above average success. Then I run the risk of other people going, well, I'm looking for a little bit more than above average results. Right. So anyway, so we're going to jump into this and uh, take a look at what our Mikio Mind Science uh, says about this stuff. And I'm going to give you some some things to think about and some things to work on. And uh, hopefully, yeah, you'll uh, well, we'll see what you do. All right. So we'll talk about that more when I get back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us 
Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio, real training for real people in a real world. So if that's you, if you identify with real in any one of those aspects, then welcome to Kudan. All right, so if you were on for the intro, um, great. Sorry, I'm chewing a piece of dark chocolate here because I haven't eaten since like 1130 this morning. Anyway, um... The gist of the title, right, how to get above average results, is based around this psychology that book authors and and experts have run into for a long time. That if we use a number or if we describe something in a way that is absolutely doable, right, from a certain develop from a certain level of development, which is what everybody seems like they're after, right? I mean, a lot of you that join into this thing, you're really all jazzed about needed to. Okay? Well, needed to is for above average people. Right? And I don't mean that they have to be above average when they start, but we're aiming for something that's way more than just being a mere martial artist. Okay? It's even going beyond the whole samurai mindset. Okay? Uh, and this is not a biased opinion. This is, this is the way it's described, right? It's not just thinking about things to a greater degree. It's not just, uh, you know, it's, it's not just uh, having more tricks or more weapons or whatever, right? What we're looking at is looking, thinking, and acting completely differently, right, from everybody else. And it's one of the reasons why way back in the day this stuff, well, since way back in the day, this stuff has been identified or or referred to as crazy wisdom, right, because to the average mindset, to the average mind, it doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like describing something that you as an adult know to be absolutely true, right, based on age, experience, knowledge, and all that, right, and you're talking to your nine-year-old, son, grandson, whatever. And they don't have enough reference points for this, right? They they believe that things work a certain way. And you say, no, 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 it, it, it's this. And they look at you and they might even get angry. They might get indignant or whatever. And they'll look at you and go, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, I get it, right? I absolutely get it that it doesn't make any sense, right? But again, if you're on for the intro, then I apologize. I'm going to get everybody else caught up to, to speed. But the reason I didn't call this how to get maximum uh, success um, is because the mind tends to reject anything that sounds too good to be true or it sounds bigger or outside of the of the belief system or reference points of reference that any individual has. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a quote. I, I absolutely love this quote. Um, it pisses a lot of people off, but you know what? I don't care. Anyway, um, there's a guy, uh, uh, philosopher, uh, middle mid part of the 20th century. His name was um, what the hell was his name? Bertrand. Bertrand. Um, James, help me out with this. I just had it. Um, Bertrand Russell. That's it. 
right? Bertrand Russell. And he, um, he said, uh, that it's impossible for an ignorant man to accurately translate something that a clever or smart or skilled or whatever, right? Man, expert says, right? When they hear something that somebody says, it's impossible for them to translate it correctly because they have to translate it in the way that they understand, right? So it's never going to be accurate, right? <clears throat> I want you to think about this, right? We're all in martial arts. Oh, most of us are anyway, right? Especially if you're attracted to this, <laughs> this podcast. <clears throat> um, but if you've ever seen Hatsumi Sensei, right? Grandmaster or any of the master teachers do something or, you know, your teacher do something that made you do a double take and you had to look at it and you, it just didn't compute. Like, how the hell do you get from point A to point B? That's what's going on, right? Your mind gets stuck. But what do we do, right? We we either go back to what we think we saw or because it looks like something, right? Okay. Um, We we just, we, we try to fit it into a way that we can understand, okay? Now, that's when we know we don't understand it. But what happens when we look at it and think we understand it? Okay. Well, we might be right. But how will we know if we're right? Because we go and do it with our training partner and it works just fine. We didn't need to vary it. We didn't need Henka, right? We didn't need to force it, right? It worked, okay? I say this all the time, and if you're in, if you've been in any of my uh, programs, uh, Ninja Mind, we're going to talk about more of uh, that here in a bit. But Ninja Mind, first seven steps on the path of a Buddha, which just means an awakened one. So don't get all like freaked out if you're like comparing religions. Um, I'm sorry, I, I know my voice just changed there, but I get really tired of people arguing over shit that I know nothing about. Anyway. Um, that or what's another good one? The 37 Fundamentals course, the Sanji Shish Jobon course, whatever. Um, we, we talk about this, this idea of, um, trying to translate something that you just can't get your head wrapped around, right? So we're, we're looking at this, right? And it, right? We're not getting the results. So when I talk about in these other courses, and I often share with ninjutsu students on the floor is that life is our litmus test, right? It's the, it's the, the, it's the indicators to how well our BS is working, right? And you can translate BS any way you want, right? For those of you who are sensitive, right? We'll call it belief system. For those of you who want truth raw and as it is, then it's bullshit, right? But you can use BS any way you want, but life is the indicator. Right. So and here's the other thing. Right. And it's not that life will show you because people will describe this, you know, universe is cold. Life is cold. Uh, it will. Uh, you know, It doesn't care what you believe. It really doesn't. Right. <clears throat> but it's not about life showing you what. You want to see or what you believe in or whatever. It's that our mind is tuned a certain way. And so what we see is validation of the belief system, right? So if you believe that life sucks and 
only a select few are able to, you know, get anywhere. The system is rigged or whatever, right? Um, then that's what you're going to see, right? And you're going to, you're going to see that thing. Just like, just like when you buy a new car, or you buy something new and you think that the thing that you bought is the unique thing, right? I've never seen these, right? This will be cool. I'll have, you know, it'd be easy to find my car in a parking lot because, right? I've just, right? Even if I've seen the style or whatever, I'm picking a color that's odd or, you know, it's, it's rare. And then you buy it, drive it off the lot and you drive home and you see 50 of the fuckers on the way home. Right. Like where the hell did they come from? Suddenly everybody just bought a burgundy whatever. Right. No. Right. Now we're tuned into it and suddenly they're everywhere. Right. Maybe, hopefully we'll kick, kick, kick off the uh, the uh, system since I, you know, dropped the uh, the F-bomb. Anyway, so. Um, but it's this tuning in kind of thing, right? And that goes for everything, okay? So if I say, uh, you know, maximum success as opposed to above average success, more people are going to believe above average success than they're going to believe maximum success because you know, either maximum is too big of a freaking concept to get their head wrapped around or they, they think it's hype, okay? Just like the number of people that if I were to tell them that it's absolutely possible for um, anyone to become a millionaire, See, 98.2% of you that are listening to this, your brains just either stalled or said or, or thought or a feeling came up that was equal to bullshit. Okay, it's just not doable. And then you, you're going to have to explore, right, how and why, right? Even if I showed you that 500,000 people, 500,000, okay, became millionaires last year. People that stepped up from the ranks of the poor and the middle class and became millionaires added an extra zero. It's not going to matter. Okay? Just like all the people that want to study needed to and all these things, but, 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 right. right James and I were just talking about this uh, earlier today, right? I just had somebody send me an email. Um, was it an email? Yeah, it was an email, right? Um, but it had a picture Right. It was a picture. Yeah. I think so. Right. Because they're also oh, they're connected online. So they the profile popped up as well. It just it, it kind of pulled things in. I don't know if your emails ever do that or not. Um, sometimes they do for me and sometimes they don't. But anyway, here's a picture of this guy. Nice ball cap. Nice shirt in a room that looks like it's, you know, the average room kind of thing. Right. But the email said, I'm poor. So send me your complete training package uh, so that I can continue to train in ninjutsu. Wow. Okay. Not a, a bunch of episodes a while ago. Maybe, what was it, James? Six months ago, maybe? Um, I had somebody that uh, schmoozed me for, what, a week or so? We finally got on, and um, they gave all the reasons why I should uh, – uh, do four times the amount of work that I knew, normally do for any student and give them everything for free um, with just the promise that they would be a good student, right? But that's not the way the mentor-mentee thing works, okay? You know, I've, I've done training 
in trade for people, but they uh, did admin tasks for me or they did uh, they took on a certain role. Right. And they worked uh, that way. Right. So but I had to explain to this person I haven't heard from him since because, you know, there <laughs> Either they had nothing in kind to trade or they weren't they're not the kind of person that wants to work for anything. Um, But what I left them with was that's not the way you get a mentor. Right. It's the way you get some guy you just met to show you some stuff because they have a need to be uh, impressive to somebody. Right. But mentors who have a whole bunch of shit going on um, and have have busted their ass to get what they have. Right. That's it's not that they don't want to help. But what I have found is I find a way to help them. Right. And then. Right. What can I do for you? How can I help? Because if that moves me into their inner circle then I already know that all the discussions or 90% of the discussions that are going to pop up on a day-to-day basis, right, are going to be about the stuff that I want to learn about. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little bit more because um, people, <laughs> I really don't, and, and it's not, I'm, I'm laughing because I did the same shit, <laughs> right, and Here's the thing, right? Let's use money as an analogy, right? Because I I made a mention about millionaires earlier, but this is the same as mastering the martial arts. It's the same thing as any big goal, right? We have no idea how much programming we have that we've inherited from people that we grew up with or around parents, teachers, family members, friends or whatever, right, that have certain beliefs about what's possible, what's not possible, how you do things, whatever, and then they they just say these things. They might not even be talking to you. It's not a lesson, right, but they just, you know, you turn off the lights, you save, you you know, whatever, right? Um, You know, I'm not getting gas there, man. I can go down the street and get get gas for 14 cents uh, cheaper. Um, 14 cents. I'm going to, I'm going to use more gas back and forth to save 14 cents, even if I'm only getting 10 gallons, right? That's a dollar 40. Yeah, I know, man, but over a year, over, right? I'm just, it's, it's their relationship to these things, right? They're in defensive mode as opposed to being in offensive mode, right? So we've inherited these things about what's possible. And we just keep parroting these things back, right? So when people go looking for martial arts, they're looking for some people, they're looking for somebody that knows something that can show them something, right? Preferably for as little as, you know, as little money as possible, as little, you know, whether they say this or not, right? Instead of thinking about what kind of abilities they want to have, what kind of person they want to be, what kind of situations they want to be able to handle, and then looking for somebody 
that can already do that really freaking easily. And then you figure out what it's going to take to train with that person. Man, you know, if you aim for aim that high, they're really expensive. Yeah, but it's not not doable. I train with the top people in the world half my adult life. If I discount the childhood, right, that little quarter piece was trying to figure out how to do it without thinking like a victim. Right. But the reality is that it doesn't matter if it's money or whatever. Right. If what we're if we're learning how to engage with the world. From the lessons that we get from poor or middle class people. And there's nothing wrong with those people. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the mindset, right? That doesn't translate to upper-level stuff. And here's a good example of this. I, I heard that a mentor told me this a long time ago, right? That to, if I'm out of shape and I want to gain muscle, right, I need to follow a certain regimen, and it can't be sitting on the couch and watching TV and whatever, right? I have to do different things, okay? But once I've gained that level of fitness, whatever, that I was aiming for, to go to the next level, I can't just do the same things that got me there more, okay? Because we hit a plateau. It's not more. It's different. There's There's a this different, right? It's you know, make a certain amount of money, but how do how do I now make more? Because you only have so much time in the day, you only have so much energy, right? I may have to take off time to learn something or a new skill so I can move back into it. But that's only going to make me an extra fifteen dollars an hour. And I know there's people now going, "What do you mean only an extra fifteen dollars an hour?" Because what I'm trying to do is put things in place. And then use a principle called leverage. Okay. It's the principle I use to get one thing that I've done live, whether it's a seminar or it's a multi-week program or whatever, to keep enrolling students. Right. It's now a recorded program, but that's called leverage. Right. So if we're talking about money, but it could be used for time, it could be used for your training, any any um, any technique or skill. Right. How do you take that skill to the next level? Right. Well, you can only be tricky. You can only trade out what a punch. Or, you know, how many different punches could you turn this one punch in the technique into? Right. You could turn it into a throw. You could turn it into. There's only so many things you can do. And while there is a lot. Right. How do you maximize power? Right. You stop focusing on form and you start focusing on principles and concepts. And then you start focusing on uh, time and distance. Right. And then you start focusing on energy and connection with somebody. Right. So at each level, it's not more of the same. That's what people do when they're running around through martial arts, 
right? I'm going to learn this one. I'm going to learn this one. I'm going to learn this one because, see, these techniques over here are missing in this one over here. And these techniques, I get it, okay? But what if we had these techniques and then we tried to figure out how this strategy would work against those four other different approaches instead of running around and we'll just keep loading up with stuff. And as one of my teachers used to call it, staying in perpetual white belt mode. I'm not a white belt. I got a knee done in this one. I got a six done in that one. I got it. Yeah, but it's no different than stamp collecting or coin collecting. I'm not saying you're not proficient in those things, but one thing taken as far as it can go, right? Produces way different results than taking this one and going this far and taking this one and going that far and taking this one and go, right? Because we just keep starting over. Okay. So anyway, um, let's do this. Uh, who do we have on James? We've got half a dozen or so that I'm seeing on my numbers, but I don't know that all the numbers actually show up. Um, correctly across the across the board can you see the chat thing this time i know you're having a problem last week yes it's working <clears throat> it is working this week so far fantastic as of right now dave fletch has said good evening and dave fletch so has victor victor i'm getting all these like older guys I'm just gonna hang out <laughs> i didn't say old okay because i'm the old guy right um Anyway, cool. It's good to see Dave in the last uh, virtual class we did. Hopefully, hopefully he got something out of that other than me saying something differently than everybody else says. Uh, but tie this stuff together. Uh, oh, because um, Victor's on, that just reminded me because I told Victor to hold off until I got things together. Um, I don't have a separate registration page. We're still going to use the events page. But for those of you who have been hanging on waiting for uh, the theme, to be uh, identified and what we're doing for uh, Dicomiosi coming up. Um, uh, that's our New Year's, uh, quote-unquote, pun intended, kickoff seminar. Um, that's January 5th, 6th, and 7th. It actually starts at 8 p.m. on Friday the 5th of January, and then we're done at 5-ish on Sunday um, the 7th. Uh, I chose a theme. The theme is the Shuhari, right? And then um, the subtitle is some like uh, ancient formula for the modern warrior, uh, that kind of thing, right? So we're going to be taking a look at moving certain techniques and things like that through that funnel so that people can get their head wrapped around it. Um, <clears throat> but I'm also going to be looking at that um, uh, from the mandala as well. Right? I always inject uh, things from from the Miko and, and higher level stuff in there as well. Uh, we've got a couple of guys doing breakout sessions. Uh, one of them is doing rope work. So folks are going to be uh, making uh, a Kasari Fundo, training Kasari. And there's a bunch of other things, um, cool, cool things that he's doing during that, but it's going to be rope work. Um, uh, I think he's doing a little bit with Hoju Jutsu as well. Like, you know, tying people up, that kind of thing, right? Done like a little ninja bondage to make your weekend. A little bit more uh, productive, I guess. Right? Uh, I don't know what Shoshi Whistler is doing. He uh, he's my guy that is certified in shiatsu and reiki and all that kind of stuff. So he tends to do stuff that kind of leans in that direction. Uh, but we'll see. Um, 
especially Golem. Last couple of uh, sessions, he's done everything from lock picking to what else did he do? James he did lock picking. He did. Um, he did disguise and impersonation. Disguise impersonation. Blind yeah. fighting. Oh yeah, that's right. This last one, he did uh, blind stuff. So people had to close their eyes or put a blindfold on and cool stuff like that. So yeah, awesome. Um, you know, taking it back to old school days um, when we were actually focusing on focused on being a ninja and not just Budo Taijutsuist or Bushinkan Doka or I don't know, whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. So, uh, all right, cool. All right. So, um, uh, what I thought I'd do during this one is to take a look at what the, uh, the ancient teachings say about, uh, key pieces for success. Okay. So let's bring up a couple of notes here that I just threw together, um, off the top of my head. So we'll see how wrong I am. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. All right. So, um, uh, should we start with the negative or should we start with the positive? Well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's start with the positive because, um, in my academy, um, we have a, several things that are, uh, we identify them as creeds or vows or codes, those kind of things. And what they really are are things from our meat guild that have been, uh, they've been adjusted, not, not adjusted word wise. They've been translated, but, done in a way that is um, it's not just it, it doesn't come across as being like a, a discipleship kind of thing. It's really focused on success. OK, so but <clears throat> I'm going to I'm not going to walk on eggshells for this one. Right. So uh, in Mikyo, in Buddhism in general. Right. But this also crosses over into Hinduism, Jainism, uh, all kinds of things. Right. Eastern stuff. Okay. Uh, and those of you who are Catholics or Protestant, whatever, right, you may see parallels and that's fine. Right. But I'm borrowing this because there's something in uh, I, I'm going to use the term Mikyo because that's that's the, the form of all of this that uh, that I'm an initiated teacher in and whatever. Right. So um, they're at the core there's uh, this set of three. I don't like using the word belief because beliefs are tenable, right? They're they're they can be fragile, right? There's something you have. There's something you take on. In the absence of actual evidence, right, because you need to navigate certain areas of, the, of your world. Okay. So beliefs in and of themselves are not bad. We just need to know the difference between like something that I hold that's a belief. Right. I can't prove it to be true, but it's working. Right. Um, and but something opposite, something different that somebody else holds that's producing the same results and producing results for them. I can't argue that. Right. So. That's, but I have to be clear that it's a belief and it's not a fact, right? Like a fact right now is we're at Eastern Standard Time. So um, my clock, which is on a cell phone right now, which is based on the atomic clock at the naval, uh, whatever that thing is, that, that they've got this thing working, right? Uh, tells me it's 834 
p.m. Eastern time, right? But if you're in a different time zone, your clock's going to read something different, right? But we also understand that the time zone system, based on the way the planet rotates relative to the sun, all that kind of stuff, right? It gives us it gives us a framework to work with, so that we can all be on for episode 185 of Kuden Radio podcast on Monday, right, November 6th, 2023, at 8 p.m. Eastern time. You'll do the conversion based on where you live, right? So that allows us to navigate our world, right? Um, but how that's different from truths, which are really, really difficult to describe with words, um, they have to be experienced, right? That's why we say a sound or a picture or whatever is worth 10,000 words. Right? And by the way, in the Eastern description of things, 10,000 means infinite. Okay? So anyway, um, so I'm going to start there. Okay. So in Mikio, we had this concept of the three treasures, right? And in this practice, right, to officially step on the path. You don't have to do this thing, right? You can do it uh, as a layperson, as what's known as a sound hearer. Uh, you don't have to formally step on as a quote-unquote student or a disciple of a Vajra master, of a teacher, whatever. You don't have to, you don't have to do that, right? But if you do, there's this thing called taking refuge, right? So it's not about taking on beliefs, and refuge, right? I mean, if I were in a storm, a refuge is a place where I go for safety, right? It's a place where I can go to uh, kind of take a break from all that crap, right? Work through some things before I go back out into the storm again, right? And that's that's the idea, right? Um, in ancient Japan, there was this concept of the on, a h n a n right? Um, it's not an, right? It's an on that was a, it was a refuge, right? Um, they would often have much like ski chalets, right? Uh, in, or uh, ski lodges that are these, they're just these empty places along uh, mountains on ski routes and whatnot, right? Where there would be emergency pl supplies, there would be food stores, there would be, you know, wood that you could fire up a wood stove or whatever. And so if you got caught in a storm, right, you got caught in a snowstorm, you could go hang out in one of these places, right, dry off, warm up, have some food or whatever, get your energy back up before you go back out after the storm is, is over to go back down the mountain or to continue on your way up or whatever, right? So as I was taught a long time ago, there's this idea of an on where warriors, they would know where these places were, and then they would take time away from the world. Right. And they would go up into the mountains and go to one of these places where they could hang out for a day or three. Right. And practice, practice martial arts or whatever. They might meet a teacher along the way, whatever. But they could get away. They could meditate. They could, you know, work on something they had learned. If they had an experience on the battlefield or somebody showed them something or whatever, they could get away from the day to day grind and do this thing. Right. So this was the logic behind uh, the old program that I went through under Stephen Hayes. He named his dojo the Kasumi-an, right? Kasumi-an, right? So An, it, it pulled from this historical reference 
of being a refuge, right? Because he didn't run a regular day-to-day school. He only did seminars and these week intensives or whatever. So those of us who were students, right, carved time out of our our lives and went, right? It's just like when you come to Dicomiosai or my spring or fall camp or whatever, right? The idea is, um, and this is, this is an important thing, right? The idea is you're taking time to get away from it all, so to speak, right? To immerse yourself and to spend time working on this thing that you say is extremely important with little to no distractions. I know in today's world, everybody brings their cell phone. So honey can still text. You can still get phone calls, whatever. Okay. Um, I really appreciated it back in my day where unless, unless, you know, and I, and I always did, I, you know, let, I would, uh, call them and say, Hey, you know, I'm checked into my hotel. Here's the phone number. Here's my room number. Um, you know, I'll check in with you every day after I'm done with training. Okay. So if there was an emergency, somebody left a message, I would get it when I, you know, uh, got back to the hotel at the end of the day. Right. But the idea is that you're getting away and you're immersing yourself in the experience. Right. When I take students to Japan. Right. Um, we don't go to Japan to duplicate what people do at home. Right. We don't post up in a guest house or a, or a hotel and then we go to class and then we come back and then we go to class and then we come back and then we eat three times a day. And then right? we don't do that. Right. I know that they're in a foreign country, but it's the same it's the same schedule that they would have at home. They might do an extra class or three, but it's it's not different. It's not different enough. It's not enough like a mushashugyo, a warrior quest enough, right? Where there's a there's an immersion, right? Once people once we leave the dojo and we go to JFK or Baltimore or Newark, wherever we fly out of Right. The training starts then. Actually, the training started when they signed up for the program and we did weekly and we do weekly classes about culture and etiquette and respect and do's and don'ts and things like that. And basic Japanese phrases and whatnot to help people do better than average, (laughs) right? (laughs) Above average, right? When they get there, right? But as soon as we land, training really starts. Because I have a full itinerary. It doesn't matter if somebody goes for one of the two weeks that we're there or goes for the whole two weeks. Every day, there's class all day long. And I don't mean at Hombu. I don't mean Tajitsu all day long. As a matter of fact, there's a day or two, well, there's days, right? So if class is in the evening, there's day trips to local historical places that are relevant to what we're doing. There's a day trip that we do. So we there's a day that we take away from uh, Tajitsu training because the body needs time to heal. Although I don't know how much healing time I give people because on that day trip, we go to Nagano there's an old Tendai temple that's now run by some other sect, but either way, there's something really cool that was put there that helps with those that are on that kind of journey, right? And then we go up 
Togapshi Mountain, and we track the three uh, shrines, go to the Ninja Museum that Hatsumi Sensei donated a bunch of stuff to and, and all that stuff's up there, right? And then we're back, right, for training the next day. So it was a break, like you're not having to do rolling, but um, the three shrines that we walk, uh, somebody did a, a Fitbit step counter uh, one time, and on the bus on the way back down the mountain, uh, he looked at it, and um, we climbed higher than the uh, inhabitable s- steps in the tallest building in the world, which is in Dubai, right? And that's 165 stories, okay? We did, uh, I think, 168. So it's a training trip, right? It's not we go to Japan and then we do training, right? Uh, there's a two-day stint in the middle of it where we go to Kyoto and there's historical things, right? We go to, to a castle that has a nightingale floor that was designed by one of our ninja um, uh, spiritual ancestors, right? And so people get a chance to walk on this thing, right? Everybody gets to read about it. They get to watch YouTube, you know, things or whatever, but it's just different. And then when you're there, I'm going to be popping questions and, and pointing out certain things that you're not going to find in the books, Right. It's a training trip. Right. So but anyway. Right. So there's a, there's this immersion. Right. This on concept. Right. But this this refuge. Right. So let's get back to the refuge. Right. So the three treasures or the three things that you take refuge in are the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. OK. Again, this is not a belief thing. Are there sects and the Asian equivalent to denominations that lean in that directions direction. Yes. But that's not what it's about. Okay. And that's not the perspective that I'm coming at um, during this show either. Okay. So to take refuge in the Buddha is it, it's not that you're not taking refuge in the fact that there was this person who passed on these teachings, right? You rediscovered the truth of life for a human being, right? That's not that, that's not discountable, right? But the important part, and I just covered this with my my guys going through the first seven steps program, was that the thing that needs to be remembered is that this person was a human being with the same frailties, the same problems, the same issues that we all have, and they were able to do it. And here's the path for doing it, right? What that means is that they weren't uh, divinely ordained, right? They weren't uh, an alien who landed. They weren't bitten by a radioactive spider. Nothing like that, right? They were human, like me and you. So here's this ideal, right? Here's this human being that did this thing. To me, that's cool as shit, okay? But there's also this other thing, right? In... In Mikyo, we talk about someone's innate Buddha nature. A Buddha is somebody who's awake, right? They get it. They, they're enlightened. They understand what's going on. What, what that means is that they see things clearly as they are, and they understand how things work. It's not a, it's not a system of belief. Okay? Sometimes it's been converted that way, but it's not. Right? It uses the scientific process. Okay? So, but... This taking refuge in that is also taking refuge in the, in the realization that um, you have this potential, right? And it's not 
something that you build up or something that you learn. It's something you uncover. It's something you've always had. But since childhood, we've been plastering facades on because we were taught that we need to present ourselves a certain way or we wouldn't be acceptable. We need to speak a certain way or we wouldn't be acceptable. You need to believe certain things to be a part of this group or that group or whatever, right? And it's not that you won't end up at the end having beliefs and maybe some of the same and whatever, but it's, it's about, it's about discovery, right? But there's this ideal, okay? And I'm going to come full circle to this, but I need to outline this first, okay? And then the Dharma, right, can simultaneously mean the truth, right? Like I take refuge in, in the truth, okay? Um, if I tell the truth, I never have to remember lies, right? I don't have to remember who I told what to, okay? Yeah, but people might not like you if you tell the truth. Yeah, well, that's okay, right? Yeah, people might kill you, stone you if you tell the truth, okay? The truth is more important than... You know, some people's feelings. But also, I also need to recognize that some people can't handle it. So I'm going to have to describe things a certain way so that they don't go running, screaming down the mountain in their diaper kind of thing. Right. So because um, I mean, if they run away from me, I can't help them. Um, but it's also the teachings. Right. The teachings, the lessons. Okay. Um, that. They, the taking refuge in them is having the belief or the trust or the faith or whatever terms you want to use that these things were set down by people who made it, right? Beginning with this guy who lived over 2,500 years ago, right? That they were set down by people who made it, who understood, and who were at the level that I want to attain to. And so if I want to uncover that potential, if I want to live to my potential, then this is the path to follow. I, I need to believe that that's the thing I need to do, and I need to follow it with discipline, okay? That's what taking refuge in, or in that part is. And then the Sangha, on, on one level, it's the teachers, right, that they know what they're talking about. Um, in another context, it's not just the teachers, but the community of practitioners as well, okay? Because that's your support group. Right. Those are people that are working on the same things that you are. Right. So who better to understand the challenges, the struggles, the confusion, the frustration, the bruises, the whatever. Right. Um, than other people that are in it for the same reasons. OK. So. This is a key piece for success right now in the dojo. Uh, and this was something that I originally borrowed from another teacher that I had been with. Right. And so you may have seen this in other contexts. Uh, the wording's probably pretty close, but right. I mean, if something's working, um, why not? So it was not stolen. It was not plagiarized. I just want to be clear about that, right? This was something received and I think it's valuable. So I pass it on to my students. So in Japanese, the, the triple, the three treasures or the triple refuge, whatever, right? In Japanese, it's called the Sankyei Sankyo, right? So we have converted this so it is three beliefs that someone needs to have to be successful on the path they've chosen. And if they're missing one or more of these things, then they will 
fail or they will quit. And to me, quitting is the only way to fail, right? So uh, you can lose, you can, you can, uh, like something didn't work out or whatever, but as long as you keep going, right? You know, nanakorobi yaoki, Japanese phrase, nanakorobi yaoki, right? Seven times down, eight times up has nothing to do with seven and eight. It has to do with getting up one more time than you've fallen down and you keep doing that until you've made it. Right. Um, but anyway, so, uh, the, the student creed that we give people, it starts with beliefs, right? And then we move into, uh, vows of intention, which moves away from belief, right? It is then a, it is then a uh, statement of commitment to be disciplined to do these things. I intend to, right? And then we end up at the other end with what we call the warrior code of action, which are just statements of fact, right? So student creed is, I believe in myself. I am confident I can accomplish my goals, right? I believe in myself, right? I believe that I have the potential and I am worthy of becoming this thing, this new person, this entity that has these skills, this knowledge, this ability, right? This power to not just affect my own life, but to help those who need help, right? Um, I'm confident, right? Sometimes people just need to say that over and over again until they believe it. But um, I'm sure of myself, right? Even if that means that I'm sure of my frailties, right? Because we need to be clear about them so that we can fix them, okay? Um, so I believe in myself. I'm confident I can accomplish my goals, right? Um, and it doesn't it doesn't matter if you have a track record of success or quitting. Right? I can't accomplish my goals. Anybody can accomplish their goals. The question is, is will they? Right? That's part of the discipline thing. Right? But I'm I'm the ideal in this case, right? The the replacement for the Buddha is this potential, this me in the future, which is not going to be the same me now. Yeah, they're going to look the same. They're going to have the same uh, name, all that kind of stuff. But not just the skills that they have and what they're able to do, but the way they think about things, the way they approach things is going to be completely different. Right. I need to know that as much as I need to know what the lessons are. Okay. so um, and we're going to talk about something here as we go along, but I'm going to I'm going to allude to it right now. Okay. It doesn't matter how many lessons we get from the grandmaster or whatever teacher. It doesn't matter how many techniques we learn. If there's a stopgap on what we believe our potential to be, you can only get so far. Right? If you're dragging a freaking uh, anchor and chains, you know, off your waist, going through a, a, you know, a field of six foot deep mud, you don't, you're not going very far. Okay. So congratulations. You went through the program, but there's a problem here. Okay. People fantasize about being, let me, people fantasize about being a master, the grandmaster, whatever, right? As a matter of fact, people walk around, they've been doing it for, for decades, right? Used to be, we just used to laugh our asses off about it. Some people are so much about fantasizing that they were so much about fantasizing about being Hatsumi Sensei, right? Like you can never be Hatsumi Sensei, no matter how much you know, how many skills you have or whatever, there's only ever going to be one, just like there was only ever one Picasso, 
But that doesn't mean you can't be at that level or greater. Right. But what people would do is they were trying to shortcut the frickin system or the process. And they would they would I would hear them teaching classes and parroting phrases that Hatsumi Sensei uses, including being in broken Japanese or broken English. Right. They would they would even imitate the the um, the accent. What the fuck? I'm <laughs> just <laughs> right. So anyway, right. So, but the 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 second part of the student creed is, I believe in what I study. I am disciplined. I am ready to learn in advance. So, I believe in what I study. I believe that this stuff that I am learning is what I need to have: physical skills, knowledge, perspective view, all that, right? I need to have this, right? This is the path leading to this visualized future me, right? If I don't believe that that's going to make it, or if I'm going to be picking and choosing what the lessons are, then then it goes back to being a crapshoot, right? But I believe what I study, I am disciplined, I'm making a statement. I am going to do what needs to be done to get where I say I want to go. And I am ready to learn in advance. I'm ready. It's a, it's a present tense statement, right? I'm now ready to do it now, not someday, not when there's a better time, not when the moon's align, whatever, right? So, I need to have that. And then I believe in my teachers. I show respect to all who help me progress. Okay. My teachers don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be there, but they should be farther down the line and they should be capable of what I want to be capable of. Okay. Cause I can learn moves from anybody, but are they a reflection of the art? Okay. Or when class is over, do they put their civilian clothes back on, right? They can take their uniform off and they're scuffing their feet as they're walking down the street or whatever, right? Um, their Taijutsu goes to hell in a handbasket, right? They're loud. They sit in a train and just flop out and take up a shit ton of space, even though they're in a foreign land where the etiquette is, right? Make yourself as unassuming as possible, right? Are they able to blend in? I mean, you can only blend in so much as a six foot five gaijin in a land of people that are barely five two. But right. So, uh, but I believe in my teachers. Right. I believe that they are using this stuff and they they're doing what I want to be doing. Right. Again, we'll get to that point in a minute because this is going to kind of it, it's it's going to become a, a a feedback loop. Okay? Um, I show respect to all who help me progress. Anybody, anybody who helps me, right? Not just a teacher, not just somebody with a name tag that says teacher or a job title that says teacher or a martial arts rank that assumes teacher or whatever, right? Anybody that helps me to learn and get better, to develop insight, to gain more knowledge, to gain better skills, whatever, right? Which means my peers as well, my training partners, okay? The guy on the street that's an asshole that, that I, I'm like, what a dick, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. But, 
instead of wasting your time calling him a dick, what what could you be doing? Well, I could be recognizing that uh, that doesn't produce results in the context that he's doing it in, but it might in a different one. So guess who's a teacher? The asshole in the street is being a dick. Okay. So where the hell is this going? What does this have anything to do with anything? Right. Well, it has to do with choosing. Okay. Because there's an old, and I, as much as I hate cliches, I really, really hate them because people use them as a cop out. Right. Um, after class tonight, James was there, right. After class tonight, walked off the floor and the dad of a 12 year old, 13 year old, you know, what I'm talking about Tyler's dad. Right. Um, he looked at his son and he said, don't answer, don't answer his questions like that. That's a cop out. And his son just kind of stared at him blankly because at the end of every class, I ask, what'd you learn? Right. And you can always tell when ego is driving the bus because when it's not, the person answers the question. What did you learn today? What did you learn in this class? So they, I I learned a new wrist reversal. I learned, um, I learned um, uh, that I need to bend my knees more um, and that my muscles will stop hurting when I, when they're strong enough to carry my, my body around or whatever. Right. Okay. When ego is driving, they say, uh, I got better at, at dodging things. I got better at um, whatever. Right. Okay. I didn't ask you what you got better at. I asked you what you learned. Okay. Because when they tell me they got better at something, I say, okay, what did you fix that allowed your rolling to be quicker? What did you fix that allowed your footwork or your quote unquote dodging or Plymouthing or Chevying or whatever, right? What did you fix that made that better? And then I get this blank stare. Right? Don't tell me what you were good at. Right? You didn't learn that today. Right? What was the new lesson? Okay? What I'm really implying is what did you pay attention to today? Because there are answers everywhere. Right? So anyway, kid walks off the floor. Dad, who's a coach in wrestling, he goes to the, with his with his guys. He does almost the same thing that I do. And he looked at his son. And he said, "Don't answer." He didn't ask you what you did. And he didn't ask you what you got better at. He asked you what you learned. Okay. To say I got better at, or I did this cool thing, it's a cop out. Right. Either you weren't paying attention at all, or you don't know how to look for what you learned, or Ego doesn't like to point out that it makes mistakes. Thinks that it's perfect. Okay. So anyway, we have to be willing to look at these things because if we're going to have quote unquote better than average success, we're going to have to do things that most people don't do. Okay. To have the greatest level, right, to unleash our potential, we have to identify the anchors, right? We have to cut cut the ropes, right? We have to, have to let go of things, right? We have to be willing to look at things differently than we're dead-ass sure that we've already figured out, okay? So 
Well, actually, you know, before we before I go on with this, hey, James, any questions or any any comments pop up? Uh, the only comment uh, was from Dave earlier. Said you could have said maximum above average results cover all sides. I could have said maximum above average results covers all sides. Okay. I'm not sure that I understand. It's the problem with things coming across in written word. All right. I'm sure he'll clarify. Is that it? That was all there was? For comments, yes. Okay. Quite high, but that's it. Okay. So uh, just a couple of notes that I, I jotted out that, that I want to go through. But ultimately, where I want to where I want to end up um, are there's there's three inhibitors that uh, have been passed down, uh, three things that get in the way. And this is a Mikio thing, right? Three things that get in the way uh, of doing things to the degree, right, or achieving things to the degree that we could. Okay? And again, what I'm what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about any of this stuff, right, if you're just here for the martial arts stuff, that's that's fine. It's perfectly fine. Just take the the grand vision of the new you and just associate it to whatever level of black belt you're aiming for. Right? Hopefully you're aiming for something, because if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. Right? There, there's a there's a there's a rule in lawmaking, okay? it's called void for vagueness. And what that means is if you can't understand it when you read it, then it can't be applied. Not that they don't do it all the time, but if you know that little rule, right, okay, then you have a cure for the dumbass comment or the dumbass cliche that's ignorance of the law is no excuse. And that's bullshit because the first couple of words in every law is knowingly and willingly. You have to know that something is illegal and you have to willingly break the law. Right? But if you can't guard yourself against that simple little thing that they will try to use against you, then there's an issue. Right. You are an accomplice to your own ass kicking is one of my teachers used to say, right? So anyway, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll come around to that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to focus on each one of these things, okay? Because remember uh, earlier, if you were on earlier, uh, what I said in relation to money was that, and this, this goes for anything, but people carry poor and middle-class mindsets about money into the future, and then they try to become successful financially using the same principles. And it doesn't work because the mindset I'm talking about is typically a mindset that's defensive and it's based on lack, right? There's not enough to go around, and we didn't get our cut this time around, and the shysters that have it um, are disgusting, gluttonous pigs who don't need everything they have, and they should be sharing it with everybody. Well, that's all great. You get them to share it. They'll share it once. Then they're as poor as you are, 
and wants everybody who has no budgeting skills and no financial skills and no association with money to sustain it and to maintain it. Once they run out, then then what? Then who are you going to rip off money from? Right. Who's 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 the next vault that you're going to pierce? Right. Well, it doesn't work that way. OK. Um, if we're going to move forward. We can't be looking for teachers and mentors who are. They're just like us, but they know some stuff we want to know. I, there, there was no glitch in the technology. I wanted that to sit for a little while. Okay. I have always gone toward the highest level that I had access to, which means when I was stationed in South Korea in 1980-81, and I discovered this martial art, which was brand new, and I finally decided that or I finally got myself, my own head, away from because remember i was a cop right i was doing like black market suppression uh undercover work i mean you know i just my head was swimming in dealing with the worst that humanity had to offer 24 7 so when i see this picture on this book that comes out on the ninja that just says ninja it's a red book and it's got this masked face on it i just made a shit ton of assumptions fuckers will sell anything and buy anything and then I started collecting these martial arts magazines because I was I was doing the same thing I just mentioned earlier. Right. Trying to learn from everything and everybody. Right. And so one day I had a day off. Right. My, my family's is a hardship tour. So I went on to have my family there. They're back in the States. So days off were days off. I mean, there were, you know, there was nothing to do or whatever. Right. Um, and so I had all these magazines. I laid my bunk. And I was reading everything from cover to cover. I was reading every freaking ad, letters to the editor, everything, right? And I come across this freaking this this article that I find out after I read it was an excerpt from this book that I would not look at. But what I did know was that two paragraphs into the damn article, I knew that I wanted to do this martial art and I wanted to train with that guy. Then I found the book or I found another book. I found a different one because I was on a hardship tour in the military, which means that everything was at least six months behind. So before I could access that book, I had to find another one that was written before it. Right? It was the first book he ever wrote. And either way, along the way, I discovered this address. And I wrote to him. What was the worst that you could say? No. Man, people are afraid to know. People are afraid. Anyway. So, um, anyway. I, I, again, just like people aren't taught about money things and the things that are taught about money things, right? They're trying to use those same things to produce vastly different results. Well, those things don't produce the other results. They don't produce, they produce the conditions that those people who have those beliefs, they produce those conditions, right? It's just, it's just a cycle, right? You don't produce something different 
with with a certain lesson or with a certain principle or a certain technique. Okay, it's like uh, me trying to um, throw somebody or get somebody get somebody face down with their arms behind them, right, uh, for handcuffs by using an osotonage. It's not that I can't eventually get them over onto their chest and onto their face to get them into handcuffs, but osotonage puts them on their back and then their side. Okay? I need something like ganseki. I need something like, or one of the specific variants of ganseki that drop them. I need ogyaku. I need... I need those kind of things that get me there in the quickest, most efficient way possible, right? Um, so there's less wear and tear on me, right? So, but but people don't get that, right? So the the thing that we should be looking at, right, is the ideal, right? If we want serious results, so. Thanks, Dave, for giving me permission. I'm going to use the word maximum. So if we want maximum results, if we want to live the potential, then we need to find people that have the beliefs and the, the perspective that we want to have. We, we need to find people that are living to that level, right, are, are producing those kind of results, right? Of course, that we have access to, right? We need to find mentors that when we open our mouths and say something about what we think or how we think something works, right, they're going to tell us that we're wrong. That's not the way it works. We want mentors who, when they say something, we sound like that nine-year-old that says, but that doesn't make any sense. Because if it made sense and you're not getting the results, then you understand it, but you're not doing it. Right? I mean, if you know the right way to do something and you're not doing it, well, that's that's an action thing. That's not a knowing thing. Right? So the the trick with, with finding mentors is finding is is finding somebody who is closer to that thing that you want to be to than you are, right? Which is why I had some sense I always told people. Right. Find a Shidoshi or at a certain point after there were a bunch of Shihans in the world, find a Shihan or whatever. They could teach you what you need to know so that you understand what I'm doing. Way back in the day. At Taikai. There were these Godan tests. They were done Friday evening, Saturday evening, or whatever, right? Um, where a bunch of people that were fourth dons had their little letters and all that kind of stuff, right? They would present themselves. Um, for mine, we there was an extra room that was rented in the hotel, and that's where we got bashed in the head and <laughs> those kind of things, right? Um, but the next morning, right? And I don't, I can't remember exactly at what point this stopped, but if you watch old videos of this stuff, right? The morning of the the last day right sunday morning training didn't start until hatsumi sensei called all of the new shidoshi up onto the stage all everybody that passed the fifth on test called them up and had each one demonstrate something 
And then at the end, he said, always something to the effect of, there, all the stars in the sky. Some are bright, some not so much. Which one will you follow? Everything was a lesson. And if, but if you learn to listen to him when people demonstrated things, right, you would have heard boredom, dismissal, all under the guise of the words, okay, good. Okay, next. Okay. But you would also hear when somebody surprised, not, not necessarily surprised him, but they got it. And it, yeah, that, do you, right? But everybody, what, what most people saw was from the stage, they got their moment to demonstrate because now they're a new Shidoshi. And from the floor, oh, see, all these people are, right, potential teachers, right? So, like, you know, that's my guy up there. That's, okay. Anyway, so let's, again, this is going to loop back, okay? So here, here are a couple of notes that I just kind of threw out, or I, I, I just jotted out when I was coming up with this this topic, right? Um, just so you know, I don't research very much. Uh, I don't see what everybody else is teaching, uh, whatever. Although James keeps pointing out that every time I put out a program within a, a week or so, somebody else puts out one or whatever. Um, that's supposed to be the same thing. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't know, James, should I be, should I be, uh, uh, happy or upset because they're, I guess copying is the greatest form of flattery, right? I don't know. It just means that I just need to keep, you know, keep my ass moving anyway. All right. So let's talk about belief about yourself. Okay. And the possibility of the ideal for you. Okay. Um, again, choosing mentors that match the ideal. Okay. If we're, if we're hooking up with friends, it's not that you can't become a friend or you can't develop a friendship with the mentor, but we always have to keep in our head. Right. And here's another thing with mentors, right. That causes people to avoid some of the best mentors they could ever have. It's the same thing with like voting somebody into office or working for somebody or whatever. Okay. There's this belief that I have to like them. I don't have to like, I've got a couple of mentors that are crass. They are, uh, there's just certain parts about their personality. They just rub me the wrong way. They're not a mentor for that reason. I'm not trying to become them. I'm trying to know what they know. And I'm trying to develop the skills that they have in a certain area. So liking has nothing to do with it. Liking them has nothing to do with it. I'm not setting out to become them. I'm setting out to become my best self. And there's things that I suck at or need to know that I don't. And I've been pissing around with it long enough that it's pissed me off. And I need to be able to do what that guy can do. Okay. 
And because the way he does it, it's moral, it's ethical, it fits my base or whatever, I don't have to like anything else about him. Zero. Because I'm not trying to become him. Am I trying to produce the same kind of results he is in that particular area? Yep. And that's all that matters. It's cold. It's professional. Okay. That doesn't mean that we can't have some kind of a friendship kind of thing, but it's probably only going to go so far. But what most people do is they, they choose mentors, they choose teachers because they feel safe, because the person tells them what they want to hear, and because they like them. We have to recognize that we're getting the results we're getting because of the choices we make. It has nothing to do with, well, it has something to do, but it's not as deep as people think when it comes to, are you practicing consistently? Are you reading about the stuff? Are you thinking about it? Are you studying? Yeah. Okay. But to what degree? Right. Who do you have? Because a mentor isn't just somebody who's teaching you. Right. There's a teacher. They're not necessarily a mentor. We've had lots of teachers in every grade, in university, and all that kind of stuff, right? We've had teachers. They conveyed knowledge, tested us on our proficiency with being able to remember it, use it, process it, whatever, within that paradigm, right? But they weren't a mentor. A mentor, their job is to not just teach you things, like knowledge things or skill things, right? Like Hatsumi Sensei, right? I, I shared with, with folks uh, on a previous episode that uh, one of my Japanese tutors uh, helped me translate a letter that I was writing to Hatsumi Sensei, and I always started my letters with Sensei, right? And she's like, yeah, I mean, we had had a conversation. So she was really interested in what I do and all this stuff and whatever, right? Because, you know, from, from the Japanese perspective, this is stuff that's in comic books and history and whatever, but it's, I mean, wow. She had no idea. And... So I, 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 you know, explained all these things that I had learned and, you know, things that he taught and whatever. And just, so, you know, I give her this letter that I written, uh, had written in English and she was she wasn't just translating it. She was helping me translate it so it would be proper when I sent it. Right. So it wasn't just like I was paying her to translate. It, right. She wanted to turn it into a lesson. And the very first lesson started with the word sensei. And she goes, I don't think that's the right word. I said, no, 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 it's, it's martial arts is what we all call it. She goes, I understand martial arts. Okay. I understand that concept, but sensei is a general term. Okay. But from what you've told me, he's taught you way more than martial arts. Yeah. Philosophy. Yeah. Philosophy, how to live, how to be a warrior, you know, how to be a mature person with a strong moral and ethical base. Yes, 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 yes. She goes, yeah, hmm, see. So the correct word is shiso. Shiso. Okay? It means a teacher of life. It's a mentor. Okay? And we had this little, from my perspective, looking back now, I was debating because of what everybody said. But I'm trying to debate with somebody who understands the Japanese mindset and the correct word based on politeness level, because there's five levels of politeness in language, in the Japanese language, when we're learning the stuff to go over as tourists, we're learning, give or take, about level three, maybe, right? Some people might bump into level four a little bit. You hit level five, and the words you use are not just conjugated differently. You use completely different words. 
It's what tells everybody that you're at that level of politeness. The words are different. They're not just conjugated differently. They're different words. Okay. Just like if you want to have maximum success, you don't do it thinking like everybody else. That's one of his biggest things that he was always pointing out was how Budo was different from martial arts. And yet everybody keeps thinking about this stuff like martial arts. Case in point. From my experience, somewhere between 70 and 90 percent of people engaged in this martial art think that Kamai are like stances. Not that they have a stance-like aspect to them, but they're much more. They think about them, treat them, and engage with them, and use them as if they were stances. Kamai is not a dachi. They're named for different things. And in Ninpo, it goes way beyond even the way most martial arts that use Kamai it's deeper than that. Right. So anyway, just this just this different thing, right? So when we're choosing them, right, they need to match the ideal. And whether it's not whether it's we're trying to be like that person, because I might I have mentors that I would like to be more like that person, right? But I have other mentors that I just man, that guy's awesome with that thing. I want to be good at that thing. Right. So I want to learn from somebody that they don't, they don't even have to think about it. Right. They have a conversation with somebody and huh, wow, person's on their side. And everything. That's fucking amazing. Right. And they're not manipulating. They're not, you know, they're not underhanded or anything like that. They're just really good with rapport building. And that's freaking fun. I want to I want to be able to do that. Right. Why would I just go to somebody who's just regurgitating the same shit out of a book that I can read? Okay, so and if, if they're if they're not the person that you're finding isn't the the ideal, at least they're closer, which is what our student creed's about, right? I believe in my teachers, I show respect to all who help me progress, and, and I explain this to my new students, right? Your teacher doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to believe that they're using the stuff and they're farther down the line and they know what they're talking about. And it would be helpful if they were still on the path and working for themselves, right? You should never catch up to your teacher. Right. If your teacher is still working and knows that they'll die never knowing all this stuff. Right. You should never catch up. If you do, you need a different teacher. Right. I'm not a teacher anymore. Or. Your ego tells you that you've caught up, in which case you still need another teacher. Because if you're still maintaining that and your teacher hasn't popped your bubble, then either they're not capable of it or. Well, they're not capable skill-wise, or they're not capable will-wise. Okay. They need students, so they're going to talk to them a certain way, pat them on the head, make sure they don't run off, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, let's see. Sorry, trying to translate my own notes here. Uh, okay, so what we're looking for is is I used an analogy not not too long ago about three types of, of martial arts teachers. Um, 
And the one who is the ideal mentor for any given student depends on what the student is aiming for. Again, I mentioned earlier, right? And people just aren't, they're not specific enough. Okay. What skill sets do I need to have? And where does that line up on any particular teacher's curriculum? Okay. If rank is subjective, then well, rank is subjective. Okay. But what does that mean? Right? Because having a, having a number behind your belt, what does that mean? And if we're smug about it, then it must mean that I'm just comparing that and myself with everybody else who has lower numbers or higher numbers. But what does that number mean? What does that level mean? How does that translate into my skill set? How does it help me know where I am relative to where I'm going? Okay. So uh, for those of you who heard the analogy already, I apologize. Just give me a minute here to get everybody else up to speed. Okay. So I could have three different instructors in a particular martial art. They all have the same level black belt. They're all teaching. Okay. One person has learned the skills, right? And they all went through the same standards. Let's say they all went through the same standards. Okay. As a matter of fact, maybe they all had the same teacher. So let's just keep it like absolutely even across the board. Okay. So this person um, has learned the lessons, passed the test. They have their black belt they're teaching. They're teaching the, the lessons correctly as they learned them. Okay. But they have never been in a fight. They've never been attacked. Right. So they've never been in a self-defense or survival situation. Okay. But they know, they know the techniques. Okay. Instructor two has learned all the stuff, passed the test, right? Again, everything's equal across the board. Same level, right? They're teaching. They're teaching the techniques correctly, that kind of thing. But this person has been in a fight or has been attacked and survived that kind of kind of thing. So they have experience in fights, okay? But this particular instructor has never used any of the skills or techniques they're teaching in that context, okay? But they know what it's like inside that bubble. Okay. And then the third teacher, everything's the same across the board, but they've been in fights or they've been attacked and they have used what they're learning or what they're teaching on the street in those actual situations. Right. They've used it successfully. So they know what it's like inside the bubble and they have used the skills they're teaching. Okay. Now, it's my contention that none of those instructors are right or wrong in and of themselves if the basis is the lessons they're teaching, okay? If somebody's looking for self-defense or attack survival, there might be one or two of these teachers that are better than another as an ideal mentor for them. And it has nothing to do with the instructors or their character or whether they're nice guys or whatever. It has to do with what the student needs. So if they're only trying to learn a martial art, they get a black belt in this martial art and learn the skills properly and stuff like that. Does it matter which instructor they go to? No. Okay. If they want to know this stuff, 
but they want to make sure they learn from somebody who's been attacked so that this person can share proper insights so they can know what to look for and, and things like that. Well, then two of these guys are better than the third one, right? And if they want to know that the person that's teaching them has actually used the stuff that they're teaching in the kind of context they want to be able to survive, then there's only one. But it depends on what the student is shooting for. Okay, do you understand? Do you understand the difference? Okay. Do I want to be a little bit better? Do I want to be above average? Or do I want to be producing results that, like, everybody wants but nobody's willing to do? And that's something I was going to mention earlier. Um, quick dib on our on our uh, pro shop, right? WCIDragonsden.com. Um, we have uh, there's a whole series of things that, that my guy who's doing all the designs came up with. With um, and there's just a variant off of each each one, uh, but there's like coffee cups and and uh, notebooks, student journals, there's t-shirts, all that kind of stuff, right? But one of the slogans is everybody wants to be a black belt until it's time to do black belt shit. The other one, the variant, is everybody wants to be a ninja. Until it's time to do ninja shit. Okay. They just seem like a variant on a theme, right? Except they're not the same. Being a ninja and being a black belt have little to no relationship whatsoever. Okay. Anyway, right. So um, if we're going to get people to help us with things, then we should probably not go to people who are, well, I don't know. Remember back when you wanted to learn this martial art or you started? Talk to five of your friends. Okay. Do you remember having at least one of them go, <laughs> really? <laughs> right? Or, dude, that's only in the fucking movies. Or, oh, I took martial arts once, and it's just, you know, you'll see, man, it's a lot of hard work. It's just, you know. Right? Or they just kind of looked at you and just, oh, yeah, oh, neat, and then change the subject. Right? But that's who people tend to talk to all the time. Right? In the, in the Three Treasures, having a Sangha is having a group of people that when you say, hey, I'm working on this thing or I'm doing this thing, even if it's something they know nothing about, if it's moving you forward, they're like, awesome, dude. Wow. So, like, what are you going to be able to do? Okay. How long is it going to take? Awesome. Wow. Okay. If there's anything I can do to help, then let me know. I don't know how I can help. I don't know anything about that. But you know what? Okay. Even if it's kicking you in the ass when you start to slow down or you start to use that negative self-talk, right, that's – the bridge to Quitville, right, or whatever. Right? Now I'm still working on this. I just had somebody that I asked to leave the dojo a long time ago. Use that on me. I just asked him, oh, so "How's this? How's this thing going?" Oh yeah, I'm 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 still. That was five years ago. When I, when we go to Japan, 2018, 2018. Yeah, that he went right, 2018. So what is that? Yeah, five years ago. Right, you're still working on it. Holy shit. 
you know how difficult it is to start a business? Right? You can fill out LLC paperwork online. You go open a bank account. You don't even need to have business cards made. Ta-da! You have a business. Still working on it? Fuck me. All right, anyway. So, sorry. I apologize. YouTube gods, Facebook gods. I apologize. <laughs> no, I don't. Anyway, all right. So, um, I'm going to skip over the teachings, the lessons. Okay? Because the quality of the lessons are going to match the quality of the mentor or the source. Okay? If we're going to somebody with the, with the request, show me something. Right? That's what you're going to get. Right? If you go to somebody and you go, hey, I want to learn this. And they go, why? What are you going to do with it? Or they ask you a couple of questions and then say, we'll talk again in a week. Okay? Just have, some, have, the, have the answers for me. And then you bug out. Like I have people bug out on freaking call requests that they make. Okay. One, I get it. Life shit can happen. Two, don't ask again. Okay. Oh, please, don't give up on me. I don't have, I didn't have a chance to give up on you. Okay. I've had people that don't think enough about themselves or the things they're aiming for. This is no more than a passing fancy. Like, should I have Fruit Loops or Raisin Bran for breakfast? Right? It was a good idea in the moment, but I'm not supposed to give up on them. Why should I have a fucking greater vested interest in, in anybody's success than they do? It's not possible. Right? But let's say that they do meet with them. Right? Have lunch, have coffee, you have a phone call, whatever. And they start asking you questions again. And what they get are vague answers or... It just sounds like you just whipped them together before the meeting. Any serious mentor is just, right? They've got better shit to do, right? If they wanted to be a teacher, they'd be a teacher. Anyway, all right, so I'm going to skip over the lessons because the lessons are you, you get what you, you get what you, it's not about a pay for. Well, it is a pay for. Time, effort, money, whatever. Nothing's free. Okay? When I didn't have any money to promote the business, okay, I made flyers and spent time walking around pinning them up on bulletin boards. Right? I don't have the time for advertising or the the money for advertising. Then I, you know, I'm doing way more social posting. Right? If I don't have the time for that, guess what? Money for ads. Huh? It's it's there's no trade-off, right? It's time, effort, money, resources, whatever. Okay. So anyway, all right. So here's the thing with the sangha, the group, right? Um, I think Dave mentioned this either in a previous kuden or even on the last. Was it the last virtual class that he was in? He mentioned something that I say a lot, right? Or one of my mentors says a lot, right? Show me your five closest friends and you're the average of that group. Or show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. One, one mentor says, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future, right? 
he's the crass one. <laughs> he's the one. He uses four-letter words that I would never let fall out of my mouth unless I were absolutely trying to rock somebody at their spiritual core and cause their brain to fucking lock up before I punch him in the throat. Um, but it's just not the way I go through the world. But he does. Um, but he has millions and lives in a castle, so what the hell should I say? Right. <laughs> anyway, but the other one, right, says basically the same thing, but show me your five closest friends and you're the average of that, that group, right? Um, all of the successful people in whatever realm that I've ever talked to, right? Even Hatsumi Sensei, way back, way back, one of the earliest lessons I got from him that had to do with life success, he said that all successful people have spent at least three times more in time, effort, and money to get to the success that they have. And you know what's ironic? Everybody hates them for that. You tell somebody you want to be rich, you tell somebody you want to be a master black belt, you tell somebody you want to be a master ninja, you tell somebody you want to be an expert in any field, at best you're going to get, oh, cool, right? In your group, in your sphere, in your realm, friends, family, whatever, okay? It's going to be the rare odd man out who goes, that well, that there's a worthy goal, right? How can I help? Right? They're gonna go, hmm. Or they're gonna go, yeah, okay, good luck. Right? Can't can't have your cake and eat it too. That's the group you're in. But all these successful people that I've ever I either read biographies, I've spoken to them, or whatever, they will flat out tell you, you will lose as soon as you start doing it, you will lose ninety percent of your friends and family. It's not because you changed and it's not because you didn't, but it's not because you changed and cut ties. There's everything from discomfort all the way to hatred because you became one of those people. Right. Or you were a reflection of dreams that they gave up on. So what will often stop people is they're not willing to lose their friends. They're not willing to. And it's not like you're booting them out. You're not kicking them off the boat. This is not about you. Huh? But they have a need to not. And right, we have to remember that our life is a reflection of a given belief system. A, 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 a knowledge base and a skill set. Or lack thereof in any realm. Okay, so. If we want to be more successful, for those of you who need me to say above average, above average. For those of you who get it when I say maximum potential, right, then I'm talking to you. You need to stop hanging out with people at or lower than where you are now. You need to change your sangha. You need to change the group you're in. And that group needs to be at or above and I try to get into ones that are way above the level that I'm at. But at least where you are, which is one of the greatest benefits of a martial arts dojo, which is why we've always tried to nurture a family uh, kind of thing. And I don't mean like we're inviting families in. We do. But I'm talking about people treating each other 
like their family. Okay. That's why we do a family picnic in the summertime. We have a Christmas party coming up. We do these extra things that everybody gets to associate and, and be connected, develop that deep level friendship and even beyond because that's their safe haven. Those, that's that group of people that understand what they're doing, where they're going, what they're trying to attain. Uh, I pulled into the dojo. I ran an errand today and pulled in. There's one of my guys sitting out in the parking lot. I'm like, I had to second guess and mentally go down through my, through my, uh, my day planner. Shit. Did I miss a, an appointment? Did I, you know, whatever. James, it was Fred. Right. Fred's like the current, currently the oldest student I have. And, um, he's <laughs> trains more than <laughs> most of the younger guys. But anyways, he's, he's parked there and, I pull in and I'm I flip it open my, my book to so I miss something, right? And I get out and um he's just let me know. No, he's meeting another student. Um on a given day, they both have well, he's retired, but they have off. So they meet at the dojo parking lot and then they go to a local park or they go someplace to practice, to train, right? And it's freaking phenomenal. And then after they train, then they go do like a late lunch or whatever, right? That's freaking awesome, right? So instead of lamenting or instead of only thinking that they can practice when they come to class, my guys are making arrangements with you. They're, they're, they're arranging play dates, right? So, and then he was talking about they, they've got to find a place once the weather um, gets too cold. And I'm like, the dojo's right here. Oh, I didn't know that. No, no, no. As long as I'm not doing a recording session or even if there is another class, we've got two classrooms, right? So uh, by all means, right, some of the black belts come in early for class and I'll see them come through and then I'll do something and I'll turn around. Did I did I see them or did I not? Oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're in the back. And I go back to the, to the other uh, classroom and whatnot and they're stretching or they're doing some staff work or whatever, right? So they borrow some time. They show up early for class, get changed, uh, do some work together or solo or whatever and then do class or they'll do it after class, right? James, this happens all the time, yeah? So, um, but everybody in the dojo, everybody, well, everybody, at least in our Shinobi Kai program, right? They're always asking when people come in. So how's the daughter? How's the, you know, whatever. Everybody keeps track of what's going on. It's, it's not, but I'm, I mean, if you, if you're a member of a dojo and, and, or a training group and you're, you, you have that kind of thing going on, then you know what I'm talking about, right? But the more, and I, I, I get this. So the more I can nurture that for my students, the better off they're going to be as well, right? Because, the more time they spend with the adoptive family, the more time they spend in the quote unquote Sangha, which is just a Sanskrit word, right? But in that in that dojo group, the better they're gonna be mentally, emotionally, and whatnot. And it's this it takes nothing away from their family or their friends or their work connections or and, and those feelings and things like that, right? It's nothing to do with those other people. When it comes to what kind of person they are, it has nothing to do with that. This is all about mindset. This is all about what we need, right? This is what we need, right? So 
uh, again, when you start to become successful, you're going to lose 90% of your friends, current connections, even some family members, right? Again, their choice, not yours. Okay. This is just a, a cautionary tale, right? So the question is the courage that you have and the belief that you have when you say, you know, well, fuck anybody that doesn't like what I'm doing, right? Now, I want you to think about, because my, my Mikio teacher, had me do that this long time ago, right? We were talking about the concept of happiness, right? Dropping all this frustration and suffering and discontent and confusion and all that that we typically call samsara, right? This same shit, different day kind of thing, right? And seeking truth, right? In this case, we're going to talk about seeking mastery, right? Seeking deep levels of success. So here's the same, here's the same uh, exercise. Okay? Now, I can't see you. You can see me, but I'm going to lead you through the same exercise. Close your eyes, and I want you to visualize somebody in your life right now that you absolutely love. You would absolutely do anything for. If they were injured or hurt, your heart would be crushed. Visualize that person right now. Now, in your mind's eye, look them in the eye and say these words. I would rather have happiness and truth than you. How'd that feel? Because that's the statement you're making when you choose to embark on this path. Because if that other person says, no, you can't do it, threatens to leave you if you do it, or all these other things, can you still do it? Okay. The answer to that question is the answer to how much do you want mastery? How much do you want that level of success that you visualize? How much? Are you willing to do and or give to get it? And the reality is, if they manipulate to keep you from doing it, even though there's going to be a huge benefit to them, because you can't make yourself better without making everybody else around you better. For anybody that says, no, you can't do that. They either have no idea what the hell they're talking about, or you have a relationship with a control freak, and you don't have the relationship you think you have. You're coming at it from a very different perspective and a very different position than they are. Because anybody that absolutely loved you and was all about truth and you being the best that you can be and them having you know the best relationship with you that they can have and all that, should have no problem with you bettering yourself in whatever direction that goes. Anyway, so there's that. Okay. All right. So um, the groups that you hang out in, right? I want you to start thinking about them as mutual admiration societies. Because if you're in a group of like-minded people, y'all believe the same thing. Y'all think the same thing, right? That's why you're friends, right? 
you associate, you relate to each other, a relationship, right? You relate a certain way. And you can start to see that relationships come in all kinds of varieties, like a, a fight or a survival situation, right? A, a, a survive, an attack survival situation, right? It's a relationship too. It's a negative one, but it's how you're relating to this person, this situation, whatever. The type of school, the tools you need, the type of skills you need, whatever. Okay. But when you start to see these things as mutual admiration societies, then you can, even if you have a hard time looking at what you do and what needs to change, you can look at them. Because I mean, use ego against itself. Ego is much better at looking out there and judging those people than looking inside here. So if you want to see some things that you do and things that you believe in all that, just look at what the what your close group does. Okay, You'll know very quickly the ones that, you know, well, they're my friend, but I don't buy into that kind of thing. Right. But you'll find way more. Okay, That's why you're friends. Okay? You're mirror reflections of each other. Unless you're the sad sack in that group. That's the guy that they let hang out with them, right? So um, let's see. The groups you hang out in, mutual admiration societies, um, or groups that are higher than you and where you want to be, right? Again, I talked about that before, okay? So, um, I mean, that's what that's what the dojos is for. That's what our Platinum Inner Circle program is for, right? People that want to, they're just, they could learn the techniques from anybody, Right? But this isn't just about, right? That's why I'm highly insistent on people coming into seminars, right? Um, is Phil on? James, is Phil on? Uh, he may be. If he is, he hasn't said anything. Okay. Well, Phil, if you're on, speak up. Say hey. Um, Phil, uh, one of my guys, um, for those of you who know, I'm in East Central Pennsylvania, okay? So... Uh, you don't go much farther east before you get wet, right? Um, but he drives in from Idaho. Idaho? Iowa. Iowa. I was getting the wrong one. Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. Right? Another Indian name, right? Iowa. Right? Drives in from Iowa for seminars, right? And um, he was in for one, and, you know, he came in feeling like an outsider, Right. When he left that weekend, he was like, man, everybody was great. They acted like, you know, I'm just I've always been a part of the dojo and we just met. Like, yep. Welcome to the dojo. Right. So he goes, comes back for another one months later. Right. I mean, we're talking months later. Right. Comes in. There was like, hey, Phil, remembered his name, everything. Right. Of course. Right. Because you're a member of the dojo. So my my long distance inner circle people need to know that. Once they step up to that level of engagement, right, it doesn't matter if they live in the same area. When when I say that you are now officially a member of the dojo, that's not a sales pitch. That's not a that's not a cliche thing. That's not something to make you feel special. But you're still like long distance. No, this is your home dojo. Okay, so. That's why I suggest when people are on for the virtual calls and whatnot, right, that they dress for class, right? 
uh, Jeffrey does it, right? Jeff, Jeffrey Fletcher, um, dressed for class. He goes through the motions, right? When we do a bow in, bow out and whatnot, these guys bow, right? It's as if they're in the same room, right? We know they're not, but we create the, a situation where it's as close as possible, right? It's not a lecture hall. I'm not on a stage. Right? So there's this degree of engagement. But again, it depends on what what somebody's there for. Okay, if they're there because they want somebody to learn them something, well, okay, somebody's going to learn them something. Okay? But what's the engagement? What's the connection? Okay. Uh, let's see. So I talked about the the taking refuge and all that, but um, let, let's do this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with one more thing, uh, and this actually comes out of uh, the Ninja Mind program that we have, okay, which if you're really interested in this kind of stuff, um, you, you don't have to be into Mikyo and all that. The Ninja Mind program was created as a bridge for people that want this type of training that's in Ninpo, right, without having to feel like they cross some kind of, I don't know, line demarcation marker, whatever, um, onto some kind of spiritual path or, or whatever, right? So Ninja Mind, um, it originally was done as a live program, like a lot of my programs are, um, and now it's, it's a, you get it recorded. So it was originally, what was it, James, 10 week, 12 weeks, something like that, right? Um, so there's all these audio lessons and stuff like that. So this is one, again, I'm, I'm very much summarizing and, and, um, cutting the chase so if you want the deeper kind of thing that's the one to do it and again shameless plug i apologize but i don't do this very often um for the holiday stuff and everything everybody's coming out with their sales and all that kind of stuff we're doing an extended uh, black friday kind of thing so this is kind of on the leading edge right so this is the first kind of thing that i'm doing so um i think it's at online ninja forward slash ninja dash mind but if you go there um, it's 200 bucks off for, for the month as a, as a extended Black Friday kind of thing, right? There's even a payment plan thing on there. But either way, what I'm pulling from is from that, whether you do it or not, that's entirely up to you, right? Choices, right? You're, you're a grown-up person. Do, do your thing, okay? But anyway, right, I'm going to pull it from there. Before I do that, because um, we're going to talk about these three inhibitors that come from uh, Mikyo and Hasmi Sensei has taught on, several of my teachers have taught on, uh, and we're going to take a look at these three big things that stop people more than anything else. Okay. But before we do that, James, uh, questions, comments from anybody? I know Dave's got something. Dave always, like, Dave's one of the big contributors. That's not a bad thing, Dave. You keep being you. And I think Dave's bigger than me, so I don't need him showing him my door telling me to shut the hell up and let him talk. <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen anything else come in from Dave. Uh, Julie's on and said, when you ask a student, what did you learn? You have now put them on the spot and like a scared rabbit, they're going to freeze and hope that death passes them by. Well, I believe that's true in the beginning, but I ask it every class. And when I, and it becomes a lesson in the very beginning. I let students know, look, I'm going to ask this every class. So here's the thing, right? Enlightenment is born of questions, 
not of answers. Ego wants to memorize all the answers so it can sound enlightened. But enlightenment is created by asking not only the right questions, but the right quality questions. Because simple questions get simple answers. But simple answers are typically dead-end answers. What that means is the knowledge and the learning stops right there. Enlightened questions are very clear, very specific, that get to the heart of something. But since universal truth is very difficult to pin down, an enlightened answer produces more questions. But either way, let them know, look, the, in the given class time that you were in, there were at least 100 answers that flew around. Some were over your head. Some you caught. Some whatever, right? But it depends on how your mind is tuned. So just know that every class you come to, I'm going to ask you what you learned. So what I'm asking you to do is be mindful during class and take stock of your little aha moments. And that way, when I ask at the end of class, you'll have something. But I also have an ulterior motive. We can assume that we're learning a lot. Okay. But when you state verbally what you learned, you're paying attention that you actually learned something. And here's a third ulterior motive. When somebody comes to me and it has ne- it has not happened in shit, two decades, maybe more since I started instituting this. When somebody comes to me to let me know that they need they're quitting. Guess what they will they cannot use. As a reason for quitting. Not learning anything. I haven't learned anything because at the end of every class, they state something they learned. Because on the personal development path, it can be really, really difficult and it can be very challenging to always be focusing on what we need and what we're trying to get to that we don't take stock of that which we have gained. And so I use it. To help a student stay focused on the fact that they've learned something. That's like see why it's missing if they never did it. I mean, in homebrew, how many friggin' people are jam-packed like sardines, right? It would take you the equivalent of a class, another class or two to get through everybody and what you learned. But it's an important piece. Anybody that's gone through the foundations of ninja self-defense program that we're just wrapping up. This week? This week? Yeah, this week. Shit, yeah. Mod 2 starts in two weeks. Okay, so uh, Realm of the Tactician. Uh, we'll be releasing that information pretty soon. So next week I'll be doing a free webinar on lessons from that, and then people have a chance to jump on or not. Okay. Uh, so uh, in that program, I cover uh, – there's a personal development lesson that I cover – uh, that's the San Mitsu, the triple secrets that everybody knows, but there's also this other Japanese uh, process that is in in all reality, it's the San Mitsu, 
with a review stage put into it. It's called Kaizen, right? A lot of people in the West were convinced that Kaizen, also known as total quality management, which is something that came out in the late 80s, early 90s, that was actually uh, uh, created by a guy named uh, uh, D. Edward Deming um, post-World War II uh, that actually helped the Japanese pull out of like massive destruction was created by a firm in Texas, except the firm in Texas uh, translated this Kaizen thing and turned it into a big business thing and, you know, sold it for buku bucks. Anyway, so, but um, Kaizen is this review stage, right? And it's an important piece of the whole uh, progressing and advancement paradigm, right? Okay. So, anyway, um, so maybe... Julie, maybe in the beginning, but students just get to get to realize that um, that's that's the last part of class, right? What'd you learn? Okay. Um, yeah. So, what else? Anything else, James? Uh, Victor asked, "Would it be okay to call you Shiso?" Wow, that's a, okay. So here's the way these questions work. Okay, <laughs> uh, and this is something that people were supposed to ferret out going through the Bujinkan, and it didn't come out until well, one of the Daishihan, who's now a Soke, did a major fuck up at one point, um, and I was in Japan for that, and he was almost like kicked out of the Bujinkan, and I think that incident pissed off Hatsumi Sensei enough that Seno Sensei and I can't remember who else came to the dojo. Uh, we were all waiting for class to start and they came in and they ran the class, but the class was started with basically a 30 minute ash chewing that went something like this. Very paraphrased. You're learning a Japanese martial art. It's your damn responsibility to understand how to act and what the rules of etiquette are, both culturally, socially, and within the dojo, if you're going to be doing this thing, right? Nobody should have to teach it. You need to be paying attention. And if you don't know, find somebody who can give you the answer. Okay? But you don't come over here as a foreigner doing your foreigner stuff and trampling over things and then using the I didn't know as an excuse. And considering the fact that 98% of the people that were in the dojo were black belts and above, and at least half of them were around fifth on. Yeah. So um, some people didn't like it. I'm sure Hatsumi said they didn't care. My perspective is he took way too long explaining it. But it is a Shidoshi and or a Shihan, or in this case, a Daishihan's responsibility to teach some of these things. One of those is terms like Shidoshi and Daishihan are positions of Rank, Daishian's not a rank, but uh, position, hierarchy, that kind of thing, right? And it is such because there is a certificate, a license presented, right? So there's documentation of that thing. So that term, right, the word Shidoshi, if you look at the kanji, right, it implies a teacher of teachers. The Shidoshi is responsible for getting Shidoshi Ho assistant teachers, candidates for Shidoshi on board with, so when they not just pass the sword test, 
they know what the hell their responsibilities are. Okay. Well, that hasn't been done. That's is very clear, right? Dai Shihan, that it just like, I had to freaking do my own research because they're just like, oh, what this means is uh, only Hatsumi Sensei can say anything about your training. You're not telling me what my responsibilities are. What the hell does this mean or whatever? I had to go look it up. Okay? In a general Japanese martial arts context, Dai Shihan implies somebody that can stand in in Soke's absence. Holy shit! Like I needed those boots to fucking wear. Anyway, back at the ranch, right? So, um, like Shihan, Shihan is an honorific. One would never, ever, ever use the term Shihan to refer to themselves. Okay? Yes, it means master teacher conventionally, but if you look at the kanji, the kanji spell out role model. When was the last time you walked up to somebody and said, hi, I'm role model Bob. Right? You need to do what I do. That sounds fucked up even in our country. Right? So it's an honorific. Right? It's used by a third party or somebody to identify somebody else who is worthy of copying, who's worthy of learning from. Right? So we would call somebody else a Shihan. That person wouldn't identify themselves as a Shihan. Right? As a matter of fact, I had one teacher. <laughs> Victor, you know who it is, right? Shidoshi Malmstrom, who made it very freaking clear that if any, he heard anybody call him Shihan, he would break their damn legs. Like we, if we were having him in for a seminar, that term could not go in the flyer, anything like that, right? Um, he was very averse to that, right? And yet there's people walking around with it embroidered on their damn jackets and stuff and will argue, I earned that. Yeah. Okay. But I thought somebody told me, well, they were wrong. Okay. Um, the same goes for Shiso. I would be awfully freaking egotistical for to, to tell you, yes, call me Shiso. Yes, it's okay for you to call me Shiso. Do I think I am? No. I'm just sharing insights. Okay. However, how you identify. See, that is entirely a personal thing relative to you and how you think you are positioned. Okay. The only litmus test that I would ever think of as far as like if somebody used it, um, it would be based on like the program they were in and the connection that we had. Cause at the moment, I think that you and I are more like Tomodachi, even though we haven't, we don't live in the same area, hang out and have a beer together or whatever. Tomodachi is just another, it's one of what, six or seven words for friend. Huh? Um, I appreciate the thought, but for me to, identify myself right i have a i have a license i have a menkyo right that identifies me as a daishian handwritten by atsumi sensei right in front of me and i had no freaking idea that he was doing it it was a huge surprise but uh so uh if if you're asking 
can uh, or if you're asking for permission or appropriateness or whatever, um, I, I can't give that. That's that's. See how my brain locks up? It 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 doesn't compute because I know how it works. Right. So anyway, I I hope that helped. I know it wasn't a definite yes or no because it's it, it, it's too it's too difficult to do that. It's nobody's ever asked me that. Well, actually, it's not that nobody's ever asked me that before. I don't think I have it here in my desk drawer, do I? Is this the one? I don't know if this is the one or not. I have a business card holder that was a gift from, nope, this is not the one. Okay, there was a gift from a student who, um, as a matter of fact, he was a local student. He now, I think, lives in North Carolina. He'd moved to California for a while or whatever. Uh, he was my co-host on Kuden for a long time. Eric White. Uh, if you ever hear me talking about Radio God, that's what I'm talking about, right? So um, Eric had uh, come to a, one of the camps. I don't know if it was a spring camp, fall camp, Dicomio Sci, something like that. Had to be Dicomio Sci or fall camp. No? Dicomio Sci, I think. Came to a Dicomio Sci. And we did uh, this version of a Goma that comes from Mikyo, uh, and it's been it's it's used as as an active meditation as a goal setting thing we do that as a as a during the comial side if one so chooses if they if they don't they can certainly abstain that just gives them an extra hour and a half to extend their lunch or whatever but he did this thing uh set his goal of going to japan that year had just changed jobs had no idea how he was going to make it didn't know where the money was coming from whatever just put full trust in doing this thing, this, and I ran him through the process and all that. And that year on Togakushi walking between the shrines, um, like I was leading the way and I'm just trucking along and these guys are chatting behind me. And next thing I know, he runs up and, you know, Hey, can I, can I talk to you? Sure. And, um, he said, uh, two things. One, um, I never thought I was going to be here. Like this is what I wrote on my gomaki, on my goma stick at Daikomio side. This was my, my goal. I had no idea how I was getting here. And once I said it, like everything just fell into place. It was like the universe, like just put things out there. There were like money opportunities. Like I got a commission check. I had no idea I was getting all kinds of stuff, right? Everything just lined up. And then I had just gotten this new job and there was no way I had enough time saved up for vacation or anything to do this. And so when I went to my boss and everything and I said, I got this opportunity and everything, he said, they were like, wow, that's freaking awesome, man. Bring me back something. Of course you can go, whatever, right? And we'll even pay you while you're gone and stuff. So I was like, wow, that, that was awesome. So, and then he asked me to be a groomsman because he was getting married. And so that was, you know, cool. Well, we did the, we did the, um, uh, the wedding ceremony and whatnot. And he had given uh, us these, these individualized gifts. And what I got from him was a, a really stylish, uh, business card holder that was engraved and what was engraved on it was the word Shiso. 
Now, I do not carry this around. Um, I don't. But every once in a while, you know, as I'm going through things, I'll see it. And uh, as a matter of fact, where do I have it? I think I have it on one of my boots of Don. It's just there in the power center um, as a recognition of, you know, good I've done in the world and kind of came back. Um, but it was the first time that that word had been used in my direction. And I can't say that it felt good. I mean, it didn't feel bad, but it didn't, it wasn't like a, yeah, kind of thing. It was, wow. It's kind of like, I don't know, not a punch, but it was just one of those moments where, well, I didn't realize that somebody saw me in that light. That makes sense. So, but that was the first time. So this is the first time that anybody's ever asked me if, um, and I appreciate the thoughts, but I can't say yes or no, because that would come from an ego center that, um, trust me, there's still vestiges of ego. I'm trying to rein rein any control, but, um, no, I, it, it just makes my brain lock up. So, sorry. I apologize if that's confusing or frustrating or not a clear enough answer. But anyway, and for those people who uh, who said, you know, because I, I mentioned the, the Ninja Mind program and these other things that we're doing, and I I mentioned money and whatnot, right? And all you ever care about, really? James, how many hours of... <laughs> between CUDA and Whiteboard Wednesday and all this shit that I put out for free right what was that what was it uh i well the meme i just posted was it over the weekend or late last week right because things are popping up about covid again right and we've had this discussion right one of the biggest things that covid the pandemic taught me was that some people won't even train even if they don't have to leave their own damn house right because our stuff has always been virtual and we just took it over to virtual right you know trained all the way through uh the COVID shutdowns and all that, my long distance guys and my closest students at the dojo, we lost 75% of our active students. They didn't even have to leave the house. Now, before we laugh at all those other people, how many people won't do things unless they're accountable and the teacher is going to be asking or they're going to get their homework done last minute so they're not looked at badly or don't get a bad grade. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So, anything else, James? Uh, Victor just said understood. He gets it, and Dave said he's just enjoying the lesson. Okay, cool. Okay, so uh, I'm going to wrap this up with the three inhibitors. I'm going to keep this rather quick. Um, again, if you're uh, if you're looking for deeper stuff than this, I highly recommend um, the Ninja Mind course. Uh, we're probably going to do another iteration farther down the line or whatever, but this, this is, it, it was designed as a bridge course um, for those who really want to dive into the, the, the stuff that is, is going to seem foreign to most Western students. Um, but 
when we think about our ninja ancestors and even the samurai to some extent, right? This is, this is the stuff that they were guarding. This is the stuff that allowed them to be successful in a realm where they were supposed to know their damn place. Okay. All right. So these three inhibitors match the San Mitsu. But these are also the things that keep us from following the path that starts with these three treasures, right? Belief in the ideal, whether you think of Buddha, enlightened one, your enlightened potential or whatever, whatever that ideal is for you, right? Like just committing to it so that we can, we can become this thing. Because I truly do believe, right? And this is one of my most heartfelt beliefs that I don't believe that it's possible for you to have a dream. Call it fantasy, ideal, goal, or whatever that you're not capable of realizing. You may not know what you need to know in certain areas to get there. You may not have certain skill sets or whatever, but those are easily attained. When I say easily, I mean, like, you know, I mean, if a 13-year-old could decide that he was going to be instrumental in taking human beings to Mars, and he would figure out a way to do that, and as he got older, every business he ever started and sold and grew to billions was to fund that research and reality. And he's making it true. Talking about Elon Musk, right? Do you know how many people told that, probably told that 13 year old, you know, going to Mars, can take people to Mars, right? you imagine how many, how much eye rolling went on? Huh? Probably the same number of our amount of eye rolling that happened to me when I said I was studying uh, this ninjutsu thing. Or the same amount that when I got out of the military and I was going to trying to set up my first security consulting business. The number of skill sets that I did not have and didn't know that I didn't have. Right. But kept plugging away at. Right. Tell people and, and I was living and, and act, I was living to the lessons. Right. Not doing these things. I'm not going to be doing these things. I'm doing this thing. Oh, so what are you doing? Oh, I'm a security consultant. Oh, so you don't have a job. Wow. Because in their world. Right. If you're a professional, if you're a consultant, if you're whatever, if you weren't punching a time clock. If you didn't have a W-2, whatever, then you're unemployed. Okay. It wasn't fashionable to be self-employed because nobody has the discipline and the drive to do what's necessary to self-manage. Well, nobody in your world, perhaps, not yours, speaking to this 
one other person in my past. All right. Anyway, all right. So there are these three inhibitors, okay? And they're all based in fear. Okay? Which is why the sun the Sankye Sankyo, why the three treasures are immensely important. Okay? Because they're the counter to this. And this goes way, way deeper. There's there's lots more behind this. I'm just gonna round this out with these three things. Okay. And uh, well, I I absolutely believe that the greatest fear that anybody has, for most people, the greatest fear is the fear of being afraid. That's why we build facades. That's why we lie. That's why we bullshit our way through things. Right? We cry our sleep, ourselves to sleep on our pillow at night, as long as we don't let anybody see that fear. But beyond that, right, that fear can be broken down. And it's broken down into the fear of thinking, the fear of expressing, and the fear of doing. See, we're right back to San Mitsu, thought, word, and deed. Okay? The fear of thinking is not allowing ourselves to be able to see ourselves beyond a certain point. Because we don't even believe it. See, I understand when other people don't believe it. I get that. That's the massive, massive hypnosis that's going on, right? But when we stifle ourselves, here's a Japanese phrase for you. You ever hear Japanese suck through their teeth? Okay. What they're telling you without having to say it, because that would be rude, is that what you're asking for is difficult or should be left unspoken. This is a bad thing. Okay. So the fear of thinking is grounded in self-doubt. And hopefully it stops there because if it goes farther than that, then it goes into the three poisons, which self-doubt is more of an ignorance thing. I don't know how much I'm capable of. Okay? Not ignorance, stupidity. Ignorance is in not knowing any better. Okay? Because if it goes deeper than that, then we're looking at anger, hatred. Okay? So hopefully it's based in self-doubt and not self-loathing. Okay? But the first fear that we have to overcome is the fear of even seeing ourselves like that 10-year-old who didn't know any better before the adults got a hold of him and dreamed about being the superhero, dreamed about being the rich guy or the powerful ninja or whatever. Okay? Got to get over that. Because we're only ever going to make it as far as we can see if we do the other things. Okay? But more people, I believe, are stopped by self-doubt and fear of allowing themselves to think or believe that they can get that far than any chain or shackle or whatever. As a matter of fact, there was a, there was a quote I used to have hanging and we lost it in the fire. I had this, this board, 
uh, it was a like a plaque kind of thing. I can't remember who the quote was from, but it said um, the highest walls and the strongest bars cannot stop a mind that is truly free. They can shackle you up. They can chain you in. They can block, you know, put you in a, in a cell or whatever, but they can't, they can never control this, which is why they do it in small pieces at a time. Uh, well, I'll, yeah, I'll go along with that. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with that definition. Yeah. The next one, the next one, then you realize how the fuck did we get here? Yeah. Uh, Cause they got you to agree to little pieces. Cause they knew you'd resist the big one. <clears throat> anyway, fear of thinking, self-doubt. Okay. Second one, again, if we follow the thought where are they, the Samitsu, thought word indeed, right? Next one is fear of expressing. Okay. I may visual, I may fantasize it, I may visualize it, but I'm not willing to say it out loud. Cause I fear ridicule. I fear or if I say it out loud, right, that internal self-doubt and everything has a feedback loop, right? And that even makes me feel weird, right? Okay. Say a number you want to have in your bank account and say it out loud. Okay. Now triple it. See? Feel it? That's fucked up. So what's the problem? You don't deserve it. You're going to be another one of those people. It's not possible. There's just something behind the squeamishness. I don't know your context. You sir, you you ferret it out. Okay. So um, fear expressing can come from uh, what do I have here? Ignorance of the truth. Okay, so just like in the in the uh, the three treasures, right? Uh, uh, refuge, right? Taking refuge uh, in the Dharma, in the teachings, right? In the truth. Right? <clears throat> some people don't want to know the truth, okay? but again, some people, you know, they've lived the victimhood thing for so long that. Or they've condemned the other side for so long. You know, one of the secrets on the mandala, the Kongokai mandala, the one that has the five circles, right? Okay. Those are opposites. Okay. So earth is opposite wind. Okay. So you've got the rule, rule setter, um, motivator, commander, that kind of thing. And then you have the servant and the free thinker and all that kind of stuff over here, right? We're really looking to be in here, okay? But these are realms that serve, okay? And then we've got the fire realm and the water realm, right? The voids in the middle, that's what we're working on ultimately, right? But um, they're, they're supposed to be worked on so that we have balance, right? But what ego tends to do and what the world has been done in, in recent years, there's just even more polarization going on right if you're if you believe this then you're over here and we're over here and we're the good guys and whatever right okay but this one paradigm well actually it doesn't matter but we'll, we'll stay we'll stay on this track okay the secret on the mandala is that when you're not able to produce results 
the answer that you need, the skill that you need, or the insider perspective that you need is held by the opposite realm. You know, the people that piss you off, the people that you're nothing like. Yeah. They've got the tool you need. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we're not going to be like them. You don't need to be like them. That doesn't mean that they don't have a piece of knowledge or a skill set that you need to be able to handle this. Yeah. But since we're playing this dualistic contention game, we have a problem. Okay. So fear of expressing. Okay. Uh, let's see. Fear. Let's see. Ignorance of truth. Ignorance about the way things really work. Okay. Uh, and then the fear of doing, right? Thought, word, and deed, right? The fear of doing, right? This is wrapped up in laziness, sloth, right? From the seven deadly sins, right? Laziness, uh, if it's not laziness, then it's comfort. Comfort is the poison of success, right? You know, the story about the frog that gets boiled to death, right? Put it in a pot of water. You don't drop it to flame. It'll freaking fight to get out of that flame. Put it in water, in a pot, put the pot on a, fl on a flame, and you slowly bring up the temperature. And by the time the frog realizes something is wrong, its muscle system is shut down, and it can't do anything but go to sleep for the last time. This is how comfort works. Okay? So... Um, and if it's not either of those, then it's a desire for it to just manifest out of nothing. Somebody's going to provide it. Aunt Minnie's going to die and gift you this million dollars. Hopefully you have an Aunt Minnie that's got a million dollars and you're in the will, right? Um, but what it really comes down to is a belief in baby magic. And while we may have grown up and we're way beyond believing that stupid shit like i'm going to make a wish and blow out candles and this thing will suddenly materialize yeah you're right no we've just replaced it with grown-up versions of the same thing so it's one of three things right if i can't visualize it then there's something going on in there there's some inhibitor right that this fear of something being one of them, self-doubt, whatever it is that's preventing me from seeing me in that light, right? Because if I can't see it, I can't move toward it. I can't create it in my life. I can't aim at it, right? Way too many people are aiming at nothing. They don't say it's nothing, right? It's just that when they describe their goal, it's too fucking vague, right? There's no specificity to it. They couldn't establish a, a bench line or a, or a key strategic indicators, right? That every day, every week, every month, whatever their, their review stage is, they can gauge and see that they're moving closer and closer to it. Right? I don't have it, right? So I don't care what it is, right? Or it's fear of expression. Fear of expressing for whatever reason, right? They're afraid to open their mouth because somebody else will tell them they're wrong. Who gives a shit? Okay. What kind of results is that person producing? The only person I care about telling me that I'm wrong is the mentor. 
that ha- that can do what it is that I want to do. And if I'm saying, look, I've tried everything. Yeah, the truth is you've tried everything that you know. You've tried everything that you can think of. Guess what? You need somebody that's producing the results. Because if you tried everything and it's not working, then the answer is you don't know the thing you need to know that you need to know to produce that thing. Because otherwise, that person wouldn't be able to do the thing that you want to do. Well, you just can't do the things you want to do, man. You just don't understand. I do understand. That's the problem that most people have with those who understand, right? You don't get it. No, I do get it. I get it from your perspective, and I get what's really supposed to be going on. And I've got my own areas that I'm working on that I need mentors for to shed light on things that I don't know anything about or that I'm wrong about. I don't get up here and talk to you guys about things that I know shit about, right? Not in the habit of blowing smoke because you know what? Somebody's going to come along and figure it out or know already and call me on my bullshit, which is why I love being surrounded by you guys that have been in the thick of things. They're law enforcement, security, military operators, those kind of things, right? All the assholes that comment on my videos are canceled out by one video by a spec ops guy or whatever who goes, dude, keep it up. We need this shit every day to stay alive. Just keep doing what you're doing. That negates a thousand of these dumb shits that post a comment. Because who who's better to tell me that I'm wrong or that I'm blowing smoke than somebody who's been there and knows whether what I, whether or not I know what I'm talking about? Yeah? yeah. So anyway, and then fear of doing, right? So we either have a self-doubt or some other fear wrapped around that, right? Self-doubt, victim mindset, whatever, right? That's getting in the way. Or we don't know the way things work. We don't know what we need to know. We don't know what skill sets we need to know. We don't know how much we suck at something we think we know, whatever, right? Okay? Because expressing is not just word, right? It's in the way we act out that belief system, okay? And then doing, right? Are we executing on the plan? Oh, I forgot. Expressing, right? Word is also the written word. It's the plan. Why don't I have a plan? Yeah, no, most people in the Bujinkan don't because supposedly there's no curriculum and there's no, well, there is, right? Uh, it was laid out a long time ago, and that's why most people don't want to follow my curriculum. It's just, <laughs> why would I Why would I do all this to get a black belt, man, when I can get a black belt over here and I only have to do this much? No reason. Yeah. Black belt's going to mean what the program meant. It's a reflection of what you know or you're supposed to know so the teacher knows how to talk to you about what you need to do next. Right? Have shit. How you got your black belt? But I do know that if you come to me for things, you're going to need to review through things so that at least I know that you know what I need for you to know for the next piece. Okay? And then fear of doing. Okay? That's going to hurt. I don't want to have to do that. I, I, you know, I, I get it, right? Everybody, if Scotty could just beam down our perfect world and we could just be fucking enjoying it, right? 
um, everybody would be up for that. Except the problem with that is that you would have been it would have been given to you. And even if you did see the value in it, and most people see zero value in something that's given for free. Zero value. Right. Everybody knows that that the things that we work the hardest for and achieve, we will freaking defend that with our lives because and we will feel the greatest sense of accomplishment. Because we fought like hell to make it happen. The shit that was just given to us, half the stuff that was given to you, where is it? It's on a shelf someplace collecting dust. It's in a box somewhere in a closet. I don't know where the hell it is. Right? You know the stuff is that means the most to you. You keep a freaking eye on it. You don't let anybody touch it. Right? But even if we did value that thing, what we don't have is the skill set and knowledge to maintain it. That's why most people who win the lottery are broke within five years. Most are actually broke within a year. Because if they had shitty budgeting and financial skills before they won it, the stuff they buy is just going to be bigger than what they bought when they were broke. It's no different. So the skill set to get there, right? This is what screws up most black belts, right? Their skill set wanes and falters and whatnot because they don't understand that the skill set that got them to here, or the, the skill set and the uh, the the personal character traits and all that that got them here, that produced this level of achievement, is not the same skill set that will maintain it and grow it. It's not the same. So what happens is they get here and then they plateau and either they hang out and that's what they stay for the rest of the time. They may pick up an extra trick here or two or whatever, right? Or interest wanes and they will still say that they earned a black belt or that they are a black belt, except that they haven't trained in how long. So um, that's it. That's what I got. Anything else, James? Questions, comments, whatever? No, nothing else has come in. This is why we have such a small following on Kuden, because everybody would prefer if the dancing monkey got out there in his uniform and um, taught him more, more, more cool tricks, except um, we're aiming to be ninja, and we're studying. This is coming from a perspective of ninpo, right? Not just... Budo Tajitsu, right? And from my perspective, those skills handle one aspect of our lives that we need to be, we need to survive, we need to handle challenges and or whatever. Meanwhile, back in the rest of our lives, we're getting our balls kicked because karma's nailing us or we're dealing with you know people that not only don't get it but don't want to get it and don't give a shit about anybody but themselves right here we are right and it would be nice if we understood things clearly or more clearly understood how things work the dynamics of things 
and how they interact so that we don't pour gasoline on the fire unless that fire requires gasoline. That's all I got. So uh, for those of you who decide to take us up on, James, can you put the uh, Ninja Mind uh, link in the chat thing just in case anybody wants it? And if you do go through it, that does come with email coaching and, and there's some other stuff with it as well. So you're not just going alone, right? You, you can always get our questions answered and whatnot. Uh, for those of you that are finishing up on the foundations course, uh, that's our module one in our overall uh, whole program um, next week because uh, we're going to we're, we're letting people do this a la carte. It's the first time I've ever done this. Um, so module two, uh, we call the realm of the tactician. So it is about tactical application. Now, we're, we're dealing with a very specific type of attacker uh, or attacker type and not, not just punch or kick or whatever but the way they come at you and how this long range defensive angling is perfectly suited, right? Cause it's on the opposite side of the mandala to deal with this kind of an attacker. And then we're focusing on certain types of Konsetsu, uh, joint locks and manipulation, um, taking rolling to a whole new level. Um, just, uh, this is where we really hone in on focus on the uh, three of the four key principal components of Nippotajitsu or the whole combat stuff, right? Timing, distancing, angling from a long range, creating time, stretching him out, breaking strength, uh, you know, causing his power to, to drop those kind of things, uh, balance lines, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so that's another 16 week, uh, course, uh, that people can go through, um, so it'd be a next level for a next step for, for those of you who went through foundations that are following and doing the, the ranking. Most of the people that went through it, right, James, most people went through it, um, didn't even try to review for rank. They were just all in it for the, for the lessons and stuff. So, uh, but again, there's, uh, techniques, there's skills and drills, uh, there's, uh, personal development lessons and all that. Uh, I just, as a matter of fact, this week, I just put out one of the personal development lessons. Well, not this week. Was for last week, right? Uh, this this is week sixteen. So for last week, we did a review of all the lessons. I, I did a worksheet up for everybody, right? So um, they got at least fifty four techniques, and this is in sixteen weeks. They got at least fifty four techniques and variations. They got because mm, I combined a couple of these things. They got sixty one skill and or drill videos, video lessons. That that doesn't count variations that are within the lesson itself. And they got, was it 64-ish um, personal development lessons? Yeah. So, um, so mod two is going to be pretty much the same, right? Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, and this is just the stuff leading to leading to black belt. So anyway, if it's something you're interested in, uh, send us an, you can always shoot an email in warrior C at warrior dash concepts dash online dot com uh, and uh, let us know. We'll make sure that you go on a list to be notified when doors open for it. But either way, next week, uh, I think 
next Wednesday. I think Wednesday, because I don't have any other day, any other days available. <laughs> Wednesday, probably next Wednesday, right? Uh, I will be doing a free webinar where I'll be covering three lessons. I'm still trying to pull those things out. Uh, three lessons will give people a good idea as to what, not just what's being taught, but the depth of things, because I need people to understand that um, for whatever reason, I mean, I don't go out of my way to teach in a way that other people are not. But James, <laughs> James was laughing all the way through making foundations, right? Like nobody puts, there's more in this freaking program than there is in most people's total program. And um, nobody puts this much in for a beginner program. Again, not my fault. Right. But if it's something you're interested in continuing, we're going to be doing that. Um, this first seven steps course, you guys are well underway. We're, we're coming up on class eight this week. So we're moving into step four, right? Um, yeah, good stuff. But anyway, so, so if you need a money incentive, uh, Ninja, Ninja Mind is 200 bucks off <laughs> until um, the end of the month, right? And we're going to be adding other things along the way as well. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's it. And if you want to check out some of the cool stuff that we have, t-shirts and and uh, mugs and all kinds of other shit, go to WCIDragonsDen.com. And that's it for the shameless plugs. I'm done. Right. Hopefully I'll see some of you guys. At, right. I know Victor's coming in. Lee's coming in. James, you'll be there, right? Um, Daikosai. Uh, that'll be cool, right? Good way to kick off the new year. Yes, pun intended. Um, so I think that's it. Anything else, James? Any other questions, comments? No, sir. No? All right. Well, in that case, we'll wrap it up, and I'll talk to everybody again next time on Kudin. Get more of Kudan Radio, subscribe through your favorite podcasting site, or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.